Good morning. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, my name is Don Reynolds. I am the uh, have the pleasure of serving as elder of spiritual life here at the church. And uh, this morning we kind of have uh, a privilege uh, to represent. Uh, I have the privilege to represent the elder body um, uh, and the congregation. Uh, Sorry, the privilege to represent the elder body and the congregation of our church in a special kind of service and event this morning. Um, on Sunday, January 22nd, the elders recommended uh, uh, that the congregation approve a call to Steve Steer as our, to serve as our lead pastor here at Friends Church. And uh, Pastor Steve accepted that position. And today we are going to uh, uh, invite you to share in the installation of Pastor Steve and welcome both him and Sheila um, to serve here at Friends Church. Um, we have some special guests that we'd like to invite there and welcome uh, Pastor Steve and Sheila's children, Marcus and Laura, uh, and her husband Matthew. Uh, in addition, we welcome uh, those friends from Damascus Friends Church that have come to participate. Um, we also have a special guest from World Renewal International and also from EFC uh, Eastern Region Headquarters in Canton. All who have uh, a deep appreciation uh, for Pastor Steve and Sheila and they have uh, joined us to lift them up in, su in support and prayer. So uh, as we begin at this time, uh, I'd like to invite uh, Laura and Marcus uh, who will begin uh, our installation service. In the fourth chapter of Ephesians, Paul urges his readers to live a life worthy of their calling. Calling presupposes a God who graciously speaks and a people who willingly listen. Hear the words of Paul as he describes how the church can live and work together in unity as we respond to his call and exercise the gifts that accompany his divine calling. We begin at verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip all his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ." 
Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Jesus Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today I'm reading a leadership prayer composed by Dr. Richard Kriegbaum, the former president of Fresno Pacific University. It's a prayer for the assurance of God's blessing, and we offer this prayer not only for our dad, but also for everyone who calls Friends Church home. The prayer reads as follows. The best I can offer you, God, is the excellence of my work, my sincere worship. But you are perfect, and my best is still shabby next to your work. I do not deserve your favor, God. I cannot earn your blessing on my work, my life, or this organization, no matter how good I am. Still, my heart longs to present gifts you will cherish, and I desire your blessing. What what I am doing seems important to many, but human praise can fool me. Oh God, do not abandon me to live on human blessing alone and miss your blessing. Help me to know the difference between success and blessing. What matters to me is whether I really matter to you. Is this the most important thing I'm supposed to be doing? Am I moving in the right direction? Am I doing it in a way that pleases you? My work adds nothing to your blessing, but your blessing means everything to my work. I know that not all your blessings are pleasant. If I'm not leading this organization on the right course, then bless me with a sign of redirection, no matter how tough that blessing has to be. I will accept it as your true and loving favor poured out on me and those I lead. Make me a means of your grace to the people I lead, a blessing from you to them. Do not let anything about me or what I do disrupt the flow of your blessing to them. Do not let me prevent your blessing on this organization by being or doing anything that dishonors your name. Let me know your special favor, whether in your pleasant blessings or in the unpleasant ones. No matter what I may think of myself or what others may say, show me that I really do matter to you. I need your blessing, Father. Thank you for that. So... We are assembled before God to install Pastor Steve Steer, who has answered the call of Friends Church to become lead pastor. Pastor Steve, the duties of your office are set forth in the scriptures and delineated in your job description. As an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are charged to preach the whole counsel of God with sound doctrine as revealed in the Bible and articulated in the faith and practice of the Evangelical Friends Church Eastern Region. 
you are to devote yourself to the meditation and study of the scriptures and carry out your duties in conformity with the word of God. You are to steward the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper. You are to teach those who are in your pastoral care to walk in the commandments and the precepts of the Lord. You are to pray diligently for your people and be an example of faith and good works which glorify God. You are to set a pattern of godliness and Christian living for others to follow. Do you promise to serve this church with your prayers, your presence, and gifts, and your service? I do with God's help. Do you, Pastor Steve, pledge before God and this congregation to live before them as an example of God's love, mercy, and compassion? I do with God's help. Will you obey your heart to these? Will you open your heart to these people and love them with the love of a shepherd for his flock? I will with God's help. Good morning. My name is Rick Zubal. I also have the pleasure of serving as an elder here at the board on the board of Willoughby Hills French Church um, as clerk of the meeting. We've now reached the part of the service where this is your time to participate. So I would ask you all to please stand as a congregation. Dear friends, as a congregation, we charge you to joyfully and soberly accept the word of God as preached by this messenger. To pray for Pastor Steve and our staff that the ministry offered in this place may lead to the salvation of many souls to the everlasting glory of God. Will you pledge to cheerfully support French Church, not only in prayer, but with your presence, your gifts, and your service? Will you love one another as Christ loves us, work cooperatively in love, disagree without being disagreeable? It's a tough one. And share one another's burdens with loving prayer and fellowship for the glory of God. If so, please respond by saying, we do with God's help. Pastor Steve, upon your solemn declarations and the congregation's solemn response, we now install you as the lead pastor of Willoughby Hills French Church in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. At this time, we invite Sheila to come forward as we pray for both of them, for the leadership of our church and for our congregation. We also invite our elders, administrative council members, and others who would like to come as we pray together. Leading us in prayer will be Reverend Randy Heckert, Associate Superintendent of Evangelical Friends Church, Eastern Region, who will be representing our denomination, and Gary Wright, President of World Renewal and a longtime friend and mentor to Pastor Steve. Let us pray.
in these most holy and sacred moments, we bow in your presence, our Father, to acknowledge your holiness, your greatness, and your love. We love you this morning, and we thank you for how you have protected us, preserved us. Thank you, Father, for Pastor Steve and Sheila, for how you have worked in their lives and in their ministries, how you have called them to this place for this season of ministry. We love your word, our Father. And I think of King David shepherding his people with skillful hands, shepherding them with integrity of heart and leading them with skillful hands. And Father, he was a man after your own heart. And so, Father, we pray this same prayer over Pastor Steve and Sheila. May they lead and shepherd with integrity of heart and lead with skillful hands. So, Father, we pray that Pastor Steve will model following Jesus, that he will soak in the Word of God, that he will love his people, and that he will preach with power and with passion. And we ask all this through our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Our precious Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this day. Lord, until recently, I didn't have it on my calendar to be here and to be a part of this event. But you, Lord, you've had it on your calendar from the beginning. And today, we think of the prophets of old who said that there was going to come one anointed to bring good news. And we know that was you. We think of how Peter talked about you and said, haven't you heard how the Lord Jesus came anointed by the Holy Spirit and with power and went about doing good and bringing healing and overcoming the evil one. We ask this day that that same Holy Spirit, that same anointing would fall upon Steve and Sheila and that they would have the presence of Jesus flowing through their lives in such a way that Lord, that people would experience you everywhere they go. Lord, just a few months ago, right here, in this auditorium, you gave us the witness that the best days of Willoughby Hills friends is yet to come. Lord, we thank you for its history. We thank you for the multiple leaders that have led this congregation through the years. And now Lord, on that foundation, we ask that you make this place a launching pad of Jesus, a launching pad of good news for this community, for this nation, 
and all over the world, may people experience you in a brand new way because of this congregation and because of Pastor Steve and Sheila that you've prepared for this moment. And we give you the glory because it's obvious you deserve it. And we are thrilled to be a part of what you're doing. Amen, amen. and amen. Well, thank you so much to all family for being here and for your support. Uh, Sheila and I greatly appreciate it. Um, I will say this. It's a, I don't usually get nervous. been in front of crowds a lot. And uh, this morning, you know, we have President of World Renewal and we have uh, the Associate Superintendent of Ev- Evangelical Friends Eastern Region. And in our audience is others. Uh, Jerry Wenger, Pastor Jerry, where are you, Jerry? There he, there, right there he is. Uh, pastor at uh, East Richland Friends Church, one of our great churches in our denomination, uh, Seth's father, uh, and uh, others that have come that uh, are a little bit intimidating, and so you know what that means. Yes, it means Sheila made me run everything I'm going to say by her first. <laughs> yeah. So this, so this morning, this is a Sheila Steer approved message. Yes. At least, at, least, at least the version she saw. <laughs> yes. Oh, we've been over the last several uh, weeks, we've been uh, looking through uh, the book of Colossians as we've been experiencing some of Paul's big ideas from this book and ideas that are throughout his uh, writings as he writes to the churches, which are so precious to him. And and as you might recall, we started off with big idea number one, the supremacy of Christ. The supremacy of Christ. Christ uh, is, was, always has been. He is the creator. All things were created by him. All things were created for him. He is 100% God. The fullness of God dwelt in him. And then the, the shocker, but... He gave himself on the cross so that the creator could be reconciled to the creation. And Jesus Christ, the supremacy of Christ in all of Paul's teachings and all of Paul's ministry comes through bright and clear. Now also, number two, our second was freedom through Christ. You know, once we realize that Christ has been, is supreme and he has given himself for us to reconcile us, we now have freedom. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. We have freedom not only from our sin and death, but from the guilt and shame that comes with us. Christ has set us free, and he's broken the chains that all those that, things that bind us, and he's wiped our slate clean. I am no longer a con man. I'm the, my, my rap sheet has been erased. I stand free before him. And then finally, that third Big idea is what do we do with our freedom? Well, with our freedom, Christ followers pursue holiness. Peter said, don't let your freedom be a way to hide or disguise your sin or evil. And so as Christians, we are called to be holy as Christ is holy. And actually, Paul told us to set our heart and to set our mind on things above. 
Worship and serve the creator, not the created things. Set your heart and minds on things above. And so we've come to the end of these four. Now we're going to revisit a little bit of Colossians chapter four in, in two weeks. But the end of these big four ideas, and today it's this one, Christ's church pursues holiness or pursues unity. Christ's church pursues unity. Jesus, in his high priestly prayer, not long before his death, prayed these words. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they all, they, through me there will be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. Jesus' prayer, Jesus' desire is that his church would be one. His people would live in unity. And actually, we see a, a nice glimpse of that right away in Acts chapter 2. Not right after the Holy Spirit has come and we see this description of the church. And if you read through Acts chapter 2, you see that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They, they were engaged in fellowship with each other and breaking bread or the Lord's table with each other. They were, they were praying together. They were being together. Since they had everything in common, they ate in each other's homes. Even if someone had a need, they would sell possessions and they would give them and they'd take care of needs. And we see this church that's unified. And it says in the scripture there that God gave them new baby Christians daily. The church was being added to, the church was being built, but it was a church unified. It was a church that was one. And, and that's, that's a great picture and a great dream and a great prayer. But even as Paul began to write to churches not long afterwards, they found out how difficult it is to maintain unity. How tough it is when we people with our sinful natures, even though we've been redeemed by Christ and set free, even though we want to do the right things, we, we have difficulties and we have things that come up between us and, and things happen in the church and sometimes it's false teachings. Sometimes it's people puffed up in pride. And, and so Paul and his letters are dealing with this. And so time after time after time after time, he writes, you need to be in unity. It's possible, it's possible, but it's not easy. And so we come this morning to the scripture where we left off last week. I told you we were gonna revisit this verse. It's Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. If you have your Bibles, it'll also be up on the screen. It goes like this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether it word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 
Paul in these verses really doesn't say the word unity much once there, but, but he's, he's describing a church that is one. And he describes it all through. He describes it in Romans 12 when he talks about the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12 when he talks about the body of Christ. And, and Ephesians 4 and then also in Titus and in Timothy. He's talking about this oneness, this unity that can come when God's people are living a holy life. In fact, let's pick it back up there. That, that first verse, verses 12 through 14, which we read last week. It says this, therefore is God's chosen people holy and dearly loved. First of all, we're God's chosen people. We're holy, we're dearly loved. Those were terms used for Israel in the Old Testament. Just like God loved Israel and called Israel and set them apart, we are now that people. He said, you are loved, you are the church. And you see, when he writes this, he is writing to the church. As, as Westerners and, and modern civilization, we, a lot of times we take this personally, and, it, and it's okay to take it personally. I should be holy. But in here, he's writing to the church. He's writing to a group of people. In fact, when you look at it, it gets pretty obvious because when he names these virtues, look at them there, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, and bearing with each other and forgiving each other, those are virtues that we experience in community. Those are virtues that really thrive when it's me and you and you and me and us together. Yeah, we can show compassion to our dog, I suppose. <laughs> but compassion from the Lord is a compassion where, where we, with each other, have pity toward the suffering. And I wonder, as a church, with, with, if Jesus was here or if, or if somebody was here and checking us out, would they leave and say, wow, that church has compassion? Paul says that's a way to get unity. How about kindness? Graciousness? Goodness. Are we kind to each other? These are, these are virtues that are exercised best in community. <laughs> How about humility? How's our disposition? Looking out for each other above ourselves. Thinking less of ourselves. Humility is exercised best in community. Gentleness. You know, humility and gentleness are two traits that were not valued in the ancient uh, pagan world. Uh, these are values that Jesus taught and that Paul picks up on. And he says, are you, are you being humble? Are you being gentle? That's the opposite, opposite of arrogance. In fact, that, that word kind of means delicate. Are you delicate with people when they need to be treated delicately? Do you do that? Do we do that as a church? Would someone say, wow, that's a gentle church? How about Patience. Self-restraint, not retaliating. Patient with people. I think those are easy. I think he starts to get a little more with, not, they're not easy, they're easier than bearing one another. Bearing with one another. You know what bearing with one another? It means, there, I, I'm glad, this might be a shock to some of you, but there are probably people in here that because of your personalities, because of how you grew up, there's something about somebody, maybe sitting over here, that just bugs you. <laughs> it irritates you. Maybe it's a laugh. Maybe it's, maybe it's the way they always talk before you get a chance to talk. I don't know what it could be. It could be anything. Just, they're Christian, they're wonderful, they're serving the Lord. They just bug me a little bit. Yeah, you know what I mean. Paul says, that's true, we have that. But we bear with each other. 
We, 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 we give him some rope. We love him. We care for him. It actually really means put up with. Put up with. I'm willing to put up with people that I may not see eye to eye on or that we or may, may just for some reason we're just not hitting on the same plane here. But because they're in my church, because they're a part of the body of Christ, because they're part of God's church, yeah, we'll put up with them. But it says, take it any further, he says, not only put up, but forgive, forgive as the Lord forgives you. Would people say that we are a forgiving church? And then put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. It's very possible Paul, when he's talking here, last week we talked about putting on, taking off and putting on. And he's talking about putting on these clothes. And when he talks about this list of compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and bearance and forgiveness, it's these, it's these loincloths or the, what the underclothes that they would have worn in those days that would have been for, for purposes of cleanliness, purposes of humility or, or humbleness or, or decency, and, and, and those would be the cloth that were worn, but then they would put on their outer garment or a cloak, which they would wear when they go out. And so he says, okay, put on all these, but then on that, put on that cloak of love, because that covers it all. He talks about that in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He does the same thing. He talks about the body, and he talks about the gifts, and he talks about being one, and at the end of that chapter in verse 12, he says, but let me show you a more excellent way. And then we have that beautiful love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13. Put on this cloak of love. Love each other as you forgive them and, and are compassionate. In Ephesians, the, the passage that Mark read earlier, or Marcus, as he's now called, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, when, they, when they go to college and everybody starts calling him Marcus after you called him Mark for 18 years, it's tough to get used to it. But thanks to my kids for being part of that. But as Mark read that in chapter 4, verse 2, he sums it up this way. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be completely humble, completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with each other in love. No, no inconsistencies. You know, he doesn't say that unity is thinking alike. That unity is, is being uniformity or even unanim unanimity or everybody agreeing. He doesn't say that's what, that's what unity is. You know, it's very interesting, and one of the things I love about this church is the differences that I see. I love seeing different cultures, different, hearing different languages sometimes. I love seeing uh, Arlene and our, our international students. I love working with our Indian families that are here. You know, this fall we had an Indian family retreat down in our, down in our uh, sec this section of the church, the old section of the church. Welcome and said, yes, come and do that. I love the international aspects. I think that pushes us even harder on this areas of being compassionate and kind when we're different. In 2018, right now, we're working with David Byrne to have the e Evangelical Friends International uh, Latin American Pastors Conference here at Willoughby Hills. Hispanic pastors coming from all over uh, the, this part of the world to come up and to have their conference here because we value differences. We value uh, the, the things that, that, that maybe people would say, hey, you don't belong together and say, no, no, no. In Christ, we come together and we love each other. We are kind to each other. We're humble to each other. Do you know it's possible 
that we could even have some different voting preferences in this room. Yeah. And we live together. And we love each other. And we forgive each other. I can tell you, this might seem hard to believe, we have Pittsburgh Steelers fans in this room. Yes. We're jealous. <laughs> we're jealous. <laughs> but we love each other. And we care for each other. And we see it time and time again. God's people, when they come together in diversity, were challenged even more to exercise these virtues of love and humility and patience, bearing with one one another, even though I'm having a hard time understanding because English isn't your first language or maybe Northeast Ohio English isn't your first language. (laughs) We bear with each other. We care for each other. That's the church that, 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 that Paul says is gonna be a church that is one and it's in unity. He goes on, though, and we'll have to wrap this up quick, and I will. There's three things. Paul instructed the church in in Colossians 3.15. He says this. If you're going to do this, if you're going to take these virtues, he says, first of all, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. Christ's peace gets the final vote. When Christ's peace comes and he says, this is the decision, then that is what we will do. He will rule that rule. That word rule can almost mean like an umpire, an arbiter, the one who makes the decision. And when Christ's peace comes, we sit back and say, okay, we accept it, and I will do nothing, nothing to disrupt that peace. And he says, be thankful for that peace because it doesn't come easily. In fact, in that passage that Mark read in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, it says this, make every effort to keep the peace, the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. That's how we gotta do it. You gotta make every effort. It's tough sometimes. It's tough to, to be compassionate sometimes. It's tough to speak good words, to, to put, put up with, to love and to forgive. That, that takes work. And he says, work at it, work at it, work at it. You know, I think um, you go to some of these, watch TV sometimes, and after these tragic shootings where maybe a, a police officer and a, and a young black man were involved or something like that, and there's, a, there's the, the protests that come afterwards. And you're, and you're hearing the, the, the hurt in the heart of the, these folks, and, and they're walking down, and you hear this call out, no justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. I think if Paul were here today, he would say, no compassion, no peace. No kindness, no peace. No gentleness, no peace. No humility, no peace. No patience, no peace. No bearing with each other, no peace. No, no, no forgiveness, no peace. Because that's what it comes. But you know what? I, I'm, I'm so grateful for those last words of forgiveness and love. Because I want to tell you, as hard as we may work, and we'll work hard to be in unity, and as long as we may work to be in oneness, we're human. And I'll tell you what, I'm human. And there will come a day when someone needs compassion, and I'll probably show you anything but compassion. It'll just probably happen. There'll probably be a day when someone needs a kind word, And because of situation, not feeling well, whatever, or maybe just my own heart, an unkind word may come out. There may be some days when you look at me, instead of seeing humble humility, you see an arrogance and a little bit of an attitude. 
There may be a day where I'm not real gentle. I can be blunt sometimes. And there's some days where patience may be very difficult. But I know the same is true for many of you. And if we follow Paul's instructions and we forgive each other and we cloak it in love, we put up with each other a little bit. Oneness comes. I got a, I got a, I got a news flash for you. If you promise not to tell anybody else. Sometimes I can even be a little bit of a jerk. Yeah, they'll ask those who live with me. Yeah, but so can you, right? Every now and then, don't we all just get a little jerk in us? And that's when we got to love each other, have compassion for each other, treat each other with gentleness and patience, and love and forgive each other. Uh, the words that you were asked were these earlier by Rick, I think it was. Will you love one another? as Christ loves us. Work cooperatively in love, disagree without being disagreeable, and share with each other one's burdens with loving prayer and fellowship for the glory of God. Remember what you said. You will, with God's help. That's how you create oneness. Real quickly, not only do we have the peace of God ruling, but we have the message of Christ dwelling. Verse 16 says that the message of Christ dwell richly as you teach and admonish each other with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. We build up each other through God's word. And the message of Christ, whether it comes through preaching or whether it comes through singing. You know, I thank you, thank uh, Seth so much here. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a rocker. I love, I, I, even Christian music, I love to bang my head and, and, and you know, that's worship and all that. I like, it, I like it so loud, your ears hurt. But I asked him if he'd play my favorite song this morning and we'd sing it, holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, early in the morning, our song shall rise to thee. Holy, 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 merciful, and mighty God in three persons blessed trinity you know when Paul is saying here psalms hymns and songs he's, he's saying the variety of ways we worship and the variety of songs we sing all bring honor and glory to our Lord Jesus Christ and uh, we worship him through those and it's through those who he's called to lead. In fact, again, Mark in Ephesians 4 read this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ, the body of Christ, we are one body, may be built up until we reach the unity in faith and then a knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The body includes every part. And it's a common theme through Paul, it's his letters, he talks about unity and oneness. We are one body. And we're all involved in this bodybuilding activity. By loving each other, caring for each other, being patient, being humble. That's how we do it. And then finally, he wraps it up with this in verse 317 of Colossians. Whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do, 
you do it in the name, and, and whether in word or deed, do all in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. We desire the peace of Christ. We claim the message of Christ. It dwells in us. And we live in the name of Christ. When you leave here today, you represent Christ. In fact, you represent Friends Church, too. People look at you and they say, hey, who are you? I, I'm, I'm from Friends Church, and I, I, I'm, I'm come here in the name of Jesus Christ. And when we, when we, when we take that call and we take that to heart, when everything we do is in the name of Jesus Christ, unity comes. Oneness comes. Because if we're doing it in the name of Christ, we're doing it with compassion, and kindness, and humility, and gentleness, and patience. We're bearing with each other. We're forgiving each other. And most of all, we are loving each other passionately with the love of Christ. That's my prayer. That's my prayer because that's Paul's prayer. And in fact, that was Jesus' prayer. John chapter 17 he said that, but he went on to say this. Listen to these closing words. He said this, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Why do we live in unity? Why do we serve? Because it's what God called us to do, but there's a watching world and they want to see a unified church. They want to see a church that is one and they want to see a church that loves each other. Would you stand with me? And this morning, we're not going to sing. We're just going to take a moment here of quietness. And, and I'm just asking you to think about those words that, uh, that you committed to. Love one another as Christ loves us. Work cooperatively. Disagree without being disagreeable. Share one another's burdens with loving prayer and fellowship for the glory of God. Would you take that seriously? Would you take it as seriously as I took what Dawn and Rick have read? It's our calling to be one. Let's pray. Lord, this morning, we're grateful. We're grateful for your love for us. We're grateful, Lord, that you did come when the situation looked hopeless and you came and gave your life for us and Lord, gave us hope, gave us freedom gave us the opportunity to live and seek you and to, to have a new start in life and to live a holy life, to follow after you. And Lord, help us this morning realize that we do that in community. We do that with each other. We do that knowing that Jesus Christ loves us so much. How could we not love our brothers and sisters? Christ Jesus forgave us so much. How could we not forgive each other? He wiped the slate clean. Help us to wipe our slates clean. Of those who maybe have offended us, Lord, those who are, uh, we just find a little irritating, help us to just wipe that clean. Love each other. Throw our arms around each other. Lord, surrender ourselves to you. And help us to go out to serve you and to let people know about this love and grace and mercy through our compassion and our kindness so that they will know that you sent Jesus and that he loves us with an everlasting love. Lord, give us your 
spirit to guide and direct us, to empower us as we do this, day by day, moment by moment, week by week. And we'll give you honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before you go this morning, two things. One, after the second service, there is a little reception for everybody. Uh, meet my family. Glad to have you back in the, in the room, in the, in the hospitality room. I think they just found out they were supposed to be there. Yes. But another thing is, I just want to tell you something. Next week, we're going to have a special guest. And sometimes you think special guests don't know. You, you do not want to miss next week. My very, very dear friend, and Gary Wright's very dear friend, and our colleague, Hubert Nolan is going to be here. I've wanted to have Hubert here for a long time. Hubert is the founding pastor of Brookville Road Community Church in New Palestine, Indiana, right outside of Indianapolis. Uh, he is uh, founding pastor of that church. Uh, uh, they've birthed several other churches. He is a driving force behind rural renewals work in Brazil. But about a year and a half ago, he felt God's call to leave his church and to go into new ministry. And when you're a person like Hubert and you do that, you just know God's going to provide. And he's going to provide in amazing ways. A year and a half later, Hubert is his ministry, and uh, he's involved. He's, he's running uh, the founder of Hope Center Indy, which is the world's, in one year, year and a half, the world's largest aftercare center for women who have been rescued from sex trafficking. And I've asked him to come and preach, and he's going he's to meet with our outreach commission, and he's going to share just a little bit about Hope Indy, but you know, we're already getting, he's already getting requests from around the country for, for women from judges to say, can we send this, this lady to your place? And so even if in Lake County or in Geauga County or in uh, Cuyahoga County, a judge says, I have a, a woman who's been picked up in solicitation and she wants to get out of this. Hubert has a place and it's an amazing, the story is amazing how God has plopped this world's largest facility in his lap a mile from his church. And so he's become a ministry of his church. They're supporting him and loving him and the church that he founded. And he's, I just, I, just, I just want to encourage you, be here next Sunday. You want to hear Hubert. I've always said, Hubert is the guy I want to be when I grow up. So I encourage you to be here. Uh, go this week, serve the Lord, and live in unity with the peace of God, the Word of God, and in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, you're dismissed. <laughs>